morning. Bill Powis, my man. How have you been, sir? Good, man. Like I said, I've uh, been looking forward to this yeah, this conversation all week uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, first of which is to catch up with you because it's been a while. So, yeah, it's great to see you. Great to see you. And for folks who are listening who have no idea how we know each other, I made a exit from a company, actually a Ukrainian company, Topical, that I worked at for five years um, called World App and landed myself at Intuit. Now, World App was about 100, 150 people when I left, and I think Intuit had like 8,000. So it was, um, that was quite a switch. Um, but the culture was incredible. And we both work for a company called QuickBase. Um, were you my solution engineer? How did we actually end up working together and like knowing each other? Yeah, I think that's how it played out at some point. I don't know if, yeah, solution engineer, sales engineer, whatever we call it at that point. Yeah. But it, at some point in the process, yeah, I think we did, um, we were paired up. And then, of course, there's the whole Waffle Wednesday connection as well, which may have uh, preceded the whole sales engineer thing. I, I can't quite remember. That I actually, believe it or not, I had forgotten about that. And so that just made my day remembering that. So for folks listening, um, one of the great parts about Intuit's culture is they really did a lot of things to try and help people feel like they were part of a team, part of a, you know, even more than a team, part of a, you know, working group of friends, arguably even a family. And um, one of the ways in which they let us invest was we kind of could do whatever we wanted in terms of how are we going to, you know, instantiate uh, meetups with people in the office? And we decided on Wednesday mornings, we were just going to buy a waffle maker and just start cranking out waffles in the kitchen and see who showed up. I mean, I really think that was basically the plan was let's just create an environment where people want to be and who the hell doesn't want waffles. It was like literally when we first started doing it, I remember, I think we were still in the Waltham office and, um, yeah, I think people just thought we were crazy because they're like, "Why?" Are you well, we weren't. Just to be fair, we were crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we came sure in early. We I think we were there the... like seven thirty. Yeah, yeah, we were there early. I think we bought it all ourselves. Yeah, we definitely didn't have budget at the beginning, and yeah, I think people probably thought we were crazy because they're like, "How are you guys not going to get fired <laughs> cooking waffles instead of being at your desk like answering cases or customers or whatever we're supposed to be doing at the time?" So that that persisted, right? Like after. After we both left, and they, like you said, they moved offices right down to uh, Somerville or wherever. Yeah, it lasted for a long time. I mean, I think, uh, I think if I remember, I think you took off. Did you take off before me, or did I take off before you? <laughs> I think I took off in 2013. Yeah, I think you took. Yeah, so I think it went on for at least the extended time I was there. We moved down to Cambridge. It got real crazy. We started doing like waffle art. We got all the graphic designers involved, and there were like whole chalkboards full of waffle art. Uh, and then, yeah, even after I left, it went um, went for a while. In fact, I think I still own techwafflewednesday.com, which is probably worth something at this point. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was. And I, my whole joke was like, I wanted to be the, the highest paid waffle chef in America and probably to some degree may have been able to. Yeah, it may have been. Yeah. <laughs> so that probably leads us into... Um, an interesting area of discussion, which is sort of what happened to you post into it, because 
we were scheming up how we were going to build. Um, I don't remember if it was Uber or some. We had some kind of series of ideas of things that were very uh, tech centric and things that we were going to go work very hard and very long hours for. Um, and then you took a decidedly different turn, I would say. Um, we'll call it years, maybe a decade before I woke up and decided that maybe you maybe you had journeyed to a place that was worth venturing. Um, but it would be great to hear a little bit about like what that experience was towards the end of your tenure and then sort of where you went from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll try to share a little bit of backstory. Um, yeah, you can redirect me if it's not useful. But, you know, I think while I was at Intuit, um, I must to say this, like I kind of, I felt like for a long time, I was kind of on the sidelines. Like I had all these ideas, things I wanted to do, like professionally, I think I've always had kind of this entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial bug, but um, I definitely wasn't like confident enough really myself to kind of make that, that move. And so I remember kind of like, you know, I was reading all the, all the stuff at that time, like, you know, huge into Tim Ferriss, like way back, you know, whatever, whenever that was mid two thousands and inspired by all that. I tried to like create little blogs here and there, but I just never could really like, yeah, really find my, like put myself out there. Um, and then a couple of things happened. Uh, some of these things I'd probably not talked about period. Um, but the first was I've always had a huge fear of public speaking and, I've worked through a lot of that uh, to some degree. It's still one of the things that sends like a shiver up my, my spine uh, when I go give a presentation or something. But I remember when I was still at QuickBase, uh, I was asked to go to Virginia and to um, basically help train like their whole support team down there, like a, they're in Fredericksburg. And uh, this terrified me because like on one hand, I was like, this is an awesome career opportunity. You know, there's going to be like 40 or 50 people I was going to get to help train. On the other hand, I was like, I'm deathly afraid of doing this. Like, I just don't want to put myself out in that way. So yeah, I probably never told this story. So I actually, I actually went to, um, I don't know if it was a psychologist or psychiatrist. And I was like, I have like terrible anxiety. Like I need to, but I need to be able to do this. Like, this is a thing I need to do. And so they're like, all right, we'll give you some medicine. So they gave me, I don't know, some crazy anti-anxiety pill. I don't even remember what it was. You know, there's so many of them. And so I remember I started taking it like a day or two before that trip. And I went down, down there and um, short story, it helped. I got through, the, I got through the presentation, but that night uh, I went out drinking just like I normally would. And I was used to being able to kind of just like throw down five or six beers, like, and no problem. Like I just go home and sleep it off and be fine. Well, turns out when you're taking these uh, powerful drugs, things uh, don't behave quite the same. And so I'm not going to go into all the details, but basically things happened that night and uh, that I wasn't particularly proud of. And I woke up the next day, basically being like, not, like feeling completely disconnected from myself. I was like, it's, it's just the really, really hard thing to understand. Like certain aspects of my brain had been shut off or whatever it was, but it was like, I couldn't even like put the pieces back together. I was like, it kind of like shattered my view of who I perceived myself to be. And, um, and actually, and yeah, I never really talked about this publicly, 
but it kind of started me on this like spiral of what I would consider, yeah, pretty, 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 like a lot of depression, right? Like I was like pretty good at hiding it, pretty good at not like really showing it, but I was pretty depressed like after that experience. And so that was thing number one that happened. Thing number two that happened was I went on a trip to Costa Rica and um, with my wife, Janice, and I were staying in this like incredible uh, uh, open air kind of like cabana kind of place right on the Caribbean coast. It was amazing. Um, and I remember I woke up in the middle of the night. I felt this like really like bad sting on my ass actually. And it was like, I don't know if you know what it feels like when you get like a, actually, a vaccination. So many people have, to deal, have dealt with that lately, but you know, like there's like this weird numbing kind of sting feeling. And it's like, you can almost like feel something like coursing into your body. And I like felt that and it was like really nasty. And I was like, I asked my wife, I was like, God, oh, is something on me? Did I get bit? And she was like, it's like probably 2 a.m. in the morning. She's like, look, she couldn't, couldn't find anything. And um, so we just went back to sleep. And about maybe 48 hours later, I was in the shower and I pulled this huge, like, gorge, like, tick-looking thing off of my ass. And it was just, like, it was big. And I, I squashed it, threw it away. I didn't really think anything of it. But I, um, shortly after that, I came home from our trip, and I got deathly ill. So I got, like, really bad fever. I was, like, having, like, all sorts of bowel issues, like, chills. Like, my neck got really stiff and sore and headaches, all kinds of stuff. And... Uh, so I was like, you know, kind of thought it was the flu or whatever. Um, but essentially from that point on the pain in my neck, just like never went away and then it started to spread. And so that was like the start of like years of, and still today, like of like chronic health issues. Right. And so, um, some sort of infection, I don't know, I've had every sort of test, but that's kind of beside the point. But anyway, so I got really sick. And so that whole experience on top of kind of things that I was already like thinking about with how I was uh, relating to my life, I just really started to like question everything. I was like, why am I here? What am I doing? Like, uh, there's something about getting sick or ill that really will shake you to the core. It will like to make you start to, I mean, your mortality, right? Like it's your body, right? Like if you're, if you don't have your physical health, like everything else starts to feel very secondary to that. And it's like things that you would worry about or would seem very consequential, like, yeah, anything really career-wise, anything just starts to feel like small in comparison, right? And so this was like the lens that I started to kind of see things through. And so, yeah, at this point I was still working, you know, whatever on the outside, everything normal. Um, but I was, yeah, definitely starting to feel like I need to, um, make some shifts in my life. Right. And just start really being authentic, be true to like my own desires. And so, and I wasn't really quite sure how to do that. So this is all became quite opportunistic how I ended up leaving there. Um, my wife is an audiologist. She had actually opened a little startup practice in Quincy, Massachusetts. And, uh, you know, she was doing quite well, actually, just kind of starting to grow it on her own. But she was also, as she was growing, she was starting to get a little bit overwhelmed. She wasn't quite sure where to take it. And she just needed help, quite frankly. And so I was looking at this and I was like, you know what? This feels like a really cool opportunity to kind of just like test the waters, like jump ship, so to speak, from the corporate machine and see if I could kind of... Uh, 
There we go. So, sorry about restarting my computer on you. Apologies. Fun with tech. Um, so, you had just shared a little bit about your experience of feeling disconnected from your body, being in Costa Rica, getting bit by something caused quite a bit of inflammation and a variety of other challenges. And then uh, I was getting ready to ask you something. And I think you probably spoke for a little bit after I disconnected. And the thing I was going to ask you was if you could go back to yourself in that time frame and share something, what would you have shared? Um, so which time specifically kind of like before, before I kind of made, started making those shifts or. So at the time in which you were feeling mortal, extra mortal. And at the time that you were feeling like your body was failing you and not having any answers. Right. I imagine that was a time of incredible confusion. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, and to be honest, the way I see all of this is like, it's kind of a day to day, to day experience, like I would be lying to say that I don't get kind of caught up in narratives. Now, there's days where, where things are very clear to me, and I feel at peace. And there's other days when uh, things are less clear. Um, but I think the thing that I would say the most that resonates true for me is that uh, this thing that at the time felt very, um, very scary, very, very nebulous, very painful, um, is actually going to be the greatest catalyst and gift that I've received in this lifetime and continues to be the greatest gift and greatest teacher that I've received. And so having that perspective now to kind of share that earlier on, I think would have helped me relax more into that experience. Now, there's certain aspects of it that, you know, relationship of pain, like pain is pain. Like, so you, you can change how your mind hooks to that, but you're still gonna you're still gonna feel it, but but yeah, just like allowing the mind to kind of calm a bit uh, and ease into the experience. I think just knowing that this was going to take me in some really interesting directions would have been um, would have been useful you know, to have had that perspective earlier on. Like I ask because I imagine that if there's folks listening to this, one of the reasons why they might be listening to it is how do I get from whatever version of thrash mental thrash they might be existing in onto a path of any kind right and so that kind of advice of like and how i hear that advice by the way is don't be so presumptuous about what's good for you you know i think that our egos have an incredible talent for constructing worldviews that are should right like, like this is what should happen to me and this this should never happen to me and you employ so much might to try and create that truth and reality and then of course 
the whole universe conspires against you because who the fuck are you? <laughs> um, because I found the same thing, man. Like all the things that have caused me great pain, I shouldn't say all, but largely when I look at the things that have caused me the most pain, they've also been the greatest gifts in terms of either a stepping stone or a launching pad into some new way of thinking or feeling. I think that's a a real gift if you can let it be. Yeah. I mean, I think something that's, you know, a teacher shared with me and, you know, to some degree, I've also kind of determined on my own is like, we, we look at our lives and we, and we try to construct them. And I'm very, by nature, I'm very type A, I'm very architect minded, I'm very strategic. And we think we can put these pieces together in this like logical order and in mostly in a linear way where it's like, okay, if I do this, then this will happen. And then I can start to just kind of imagine it like a chessboard. It's like, if I follow these eight moves in a row, it's kind of kind of guarantee this outcome. And the reality is just doesn't work that way. And these things are quantum. They are, there are choices within the choices. So even when we make a choice that feels most appropriate in the moment, we, we still don't know kind of the implications of that um, and what that ripple effect is going to look like. So we can't really assume anything that's to be quote good or bad if we were to, to put a label on it, because we have such a limited viewpoint um, of what that actually means. And it's always centered around, as you said, the ego and what we're orienting around, around self. And so, so yeah, I mean, and, and, but most people, it's interesting, right? My, oh, maybe I shouldn't say this, but my personal experience is that when you look back and you look at this weird kind of twisty term life experience that I believe everyone has to some degree, it, it's like you can't really predict it. It never works the way that you imagined it to work, but usually it worked in some sort of magical way that, that you're like, wow, like this happened and this happened and, and it just works and, you know, just works. There's different definitions of that, but, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how I would, how I would describe it. And so, and with the pain, it's like I said, it's been the thing that has pushed me further and further into levels of uncomfortableness because again I've you know as I've loosened up my attachment to that body experience everything else has felt less consequential and so yeah I've kind of let that guide me and like one of the things that I use on a day-to-day basis I, and I, I actually when I coach uh, students I mean mostly I'm in a business it's interesting for me, business and spirituality are, are kind of the same thing. Like I have a very hard time, like uh, separating the different aspects of my life. But like one of the things that I say is like, if you can see, like I almost imagine when I'm like walking through life that there's like this fog in front of me and I almost like know that I'm headed in the right direction. If like I was able to put my hand out and like disappears into the fog, like that's like almost like my litmus test of like, like, oh yeah, I'm like stretching into uncomfortableness here. I'm stretching into the unknown. And that's like what lets me know that into the unknown. growing and growing and expanding. Anytime I feel like I can see, like I can see really far into the future. I'm like, oh yeah, this is going to be how this is. That's when I'm like, okay, I might be actually going down the wrong path or I might be like over 
trying to engineer and control my my experience. And so it can be a difficult thing, but it's like a practice that uh, I encourage everyone to play with, you know? I love that. The way I've been thinking about that recently, because this whole journey for me is largely about tying East to West and translating like, what does all this spiritual stuff mean for real life? And when you talk about the fog and you said, you mentioned earlier about quantum, I think that the quantum realm, the mechanics that operate at that layer is how our consciousness interoperates with the universe and how the collective consciousness shifts the direction the universe goes. So I think that everything from the Big Bang forward was an if this, then that, just a continuous stream of chain events that were never going to be interrupted. And if you knew where all the particles were, their temperature, their velocity, their direction, you could predict everything forever. And then you put human consciousness on top of that. And then all of a sudden we can do anything, but we're also, we have an empty database. We don't know what to do. We just start messing everything up. Um, but I think that when you are still, really still, the very next perfect thing to do, it becomes very obvious. You just intuit it. How, uh, how funny is that? And in doing so, I think as your consciousness in that like microcosm decides what the next thing needs to be, it literally programs the universe such that it shows up that way. So there's a very real quantum effect that if you observe a particle, it changes the state of that particle. So you cannot observe a particle's um, temperature, velocity, vector without changing one of those other things. Like you can't measure all the things at once because the simple act of observation changes the state. And it's the same thing for um, the quantum concept behind uh, Schrodinger's cat. If you've ever read that book or if you're familiar with the concept, it's basically you've got a cat in a box and there's a, a bottle of cyanide and a hammer that can drop and, and break the bottle and kill the cat. And the cat is both alive and dead until you open the box and observe it. And that notion is completely impossible for people to wrap their heads around. If it's the same thing as the probability cloud of an electron and an atom, the electron is both nowhere and everywhere at the same time. And it's just, where's the likely place it would be? Should you lock your eyes onto it and observe it? right? Where does it probably show up? But until the act of observation, it's nowhere and everywhere. And I think that's the whole universe is that that fog right in front of us, so close. It's like at the edge of your nose constantly. And to your point, we get this, this hilarious idea that we're going to clear the fog and we're going to set everything on a rail. And it's like, there are sextillion by quintillion forces out there that you have no ability to conceive of. And the math problem of that alone is just laughable. It's instantaneously laughable. But it's so hard to have the what I'll call faith that if you just settle down and, and trust that there is a way forward that isn't hell, but it's that, it's that notion of faith. And it's so funny because like you say East meets West and you think about religion and all this stuff. I think that that's what the core component of faith actually means is that don't 
stop freaking the fuck out. <laughs> Settle down. And the universe will give you a way out of whatever your problem is. It will conspire for you, but not if you're freaking out. And that's all we do all day is freak out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and when we freak out, we, again, when we grasp, we try to take control. And ironically, that's when things go, go south and they go in the wrong direction. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fascinating. It's something even... Even in business, right? So it's funny because I teach sales and marketing essentially at this point. And uh, I really actually struggle with that because I haven't actually had a sales conversation in years. I've been, you know, had a pretty successful business by most people's standards. Um, and it's like I break all the rules. And so I really struggle with this because we teach frameworks, right? But mm -hmm. one of the things I, I try to, I try to help people understand is like, you can't hold so tightly to these things. Like, like you have to just kind of, so like for me, like when I reach out to people, all I'm really doing is like, I'm following my, my energy. Like, and this is mm -hmm. hard to describe because I actually, I don't know if I can even really describe it. This is, it's hard for me to understand, but like, I'm, I'm feeling how energy feels in my body and I'm, I'm making this, like, I'm, I'm basically following where it wants to go. And that I, I'm not, how to say this, if it doesn't want to happen, even if my mind wants it to happen, if I'm like, oh man, I need to reach out to this person because like, this could be like a six figure contract right here. But like, I'm feeling some sort of like, I don't know how to describe it. It's just, it's a no for me. Like, and I have to feel it a certain way. But then when I reach out to people, it's, um, I'm releasing any expectation of what is going to kind of come back at me. So it's like, it's really hard to, really hard to describe this, but there's like this magic that occurs because all I'm really doing is holding like a possibility of connection and like co-creation with this person that I'm reaching out to. And beyond that, I'm like, okay, whatever is going to be here is going to be here. And, and so just to kind of bring it back, what most people do is they like, they study this stuff and they look at these scripts and they're like, okay, I've got to do X, Y, Z. I got to make sure I, I close. I got to make sure I do this. I got to do that. And we get so caught up in it that we lose the forest for the trees and it all backfires on us. And so, um, yeah, I'm still, I'm still struggling with that because I teach frameworks, but I'm, at the same time, I'm trying to teach people to hold them like very lightly. Like it's a very light touch. It's like, use your mind to like understand the usefulness of some of these tools, but then like release it in the moment and don't hold to it tightly. And you're always like better off just like going where the energy wants to go at the risk of like losing the script mm -hmm. than just holding real tightly to like what we think the right thing to do is. And so that's, yeah, that's an analogy for life. Like that's, I mean, that's, it's all the same. Like there's I no couldn't possibly agree more. And I think the perfect analogy for that exact analogy, because I like to stack analogies. I'm like an abstraction <laughs> machine is jazz music. You don't, you need to know all the things you need to understand time signatures and melody and syncopation, right? Like you need to know 
all the stuff. And then if you think about one of those fucking things when you're playing jazz music, it's going to come out sounding like nails on a chalkboard, right? And because jazz music in particular can be really complicated and it's it's like it's skating on the edge of doom. Really good jazz music is it's right. just almost not even right. It almost sounds like it's dirty or like somebody's having a stroke or something, but like it's it's really it's on that knife's razor's edge and it's because they're not thinking and they're dancing Dance, with yeah. what's happening right and anybody who's ever been in flow state i think what you described is the conscious observation of what happens in flow state which is that all of your body conspires to follow your chi or the force since we're talking about the apprentice and jedi right it follows this energy and it just subtly, instant by instant, says this is the exact right thing to do, like right on a silver platter. And then you just do it. And you just keep doing it instant after instant. And then you come out of the fog and you're like, wow, that was cool. Yeah. Right? Because you don't even, you're not there. You, the ego, is not present for that entire process. And that's the beauty of it. And that's why it works. Mm-hmm. And so it's like this divine like instantiation. It's like you bring God up from out of nowhere to dance in this realm. And then it just zips back away and we all just pretend like something insane didn't just happen. <laughs> yeah. Now where this gets really, really interesting though, and this is where I spend a lot of my own contemplation, I guess, is there's this, this as you start to play in this space a bit, there's this delusion that can start to happen, which is like around this idea of what I said, oh, I'm just following the energy and this is what what feels right and what feels good but there's this other aspect which is we can trick ourselves because yeah. this is where this idea of the sun scars and all that come in right because like if i'm getting triggered by something from my past it's not the same right and so this is where right. we can impulse trick ourselves versus intuition I'm following, I'm following the energy here i'm doing what's like right in the moment um how However, we're actually just hooked into a new story that we're unaware of. So you have to, cont- and this is where like the minute I truly believe this, like the minute we think we know, like we're actually falling into. To you just fell onto the next plateau. Darkness. Yeah. We're, yeah. yeah. You've, you've actually, the minute you think, you know, you've actually fallen into greater darkness, I believe. Um, because the first layer of this is like, okay, like, I don't know. I'm going to start like studying this stuff and figuring out what's what. And then at some point, what naturally happens is you start to think, okay, I think I have this figured out. I think I have a definition for like what's going on here. I think I know a few things. I think uh, maybe the rest of the world needs to kind of like figure this stuff out. And then there's a trap in that too, which is like we start to shut down to so much of the experience because again like our minds are still at play there and like we can't really fathom uh so many aspects of of this experience and so yeah that's something i have to continuously be aware of and like try to break that down you know i don't know if that one ever goes away and i'm saying that you know i'm only a couple years into this whole journey but if you look at like the ram dasas Right. The people who were at this stuff for decades and decades, the Alan Watts, the Mickey singers. You can tell that they're all fighting it for the rest of their life because you take the ego 
and you you tear it down or you let it go ideally but either way the ego starts to dissolve and it's like as it dissolves behind you the spiritual ego rises from the depths and it spreads its wings and to your point it's more powerful than the other one because all of a sudden like you have a real set of data a very real set of data for which you could easily conclude i'm better than everyone i know right like I know how to deal with problems. I know how to stay calm. I know how to do this. I know that energy systems are real and I can deal oh, with them, got interact this. with them. It's like the I've right? got this syndrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh my God, to your point, like, oh, you want to get run over by a bus pumpkin? <laughs> no problem. You keep going down that train mm-hmm. because to your point, like you will, you will convince yourself of things that are very nefarious. And I think when you look at gurus gone awry over time, I think what has happened is that they did not pay enough attention to the shadow realm. So you follow the Carl Jung kind of notion of that which is undealt with becomes that which sort of runs your life and eventually destroys your life. So I think that um, impulse and intuition are a bitch. And I define impulse as you were saying before, when you're samskaras, right? Something, something exogenous comes in, somebody says something to you. For me, I started noticing little things like I would come up from underneath like a cabinet or something, hit my head. And my dad used to smash me in the head from behind, like by surprise. And that was like something that I didn't even realize had created an incredible set of like neurological triggers. So I would bump my head and all of a sudden I would be in like this new psychological space and I'm the only one even in the damn house, right? Anyway, and that's because something through some sensorial input has triggered a release of energy and now your body is compelling you to do something. That is not the same fucking thing as I am still enough to intuit what the next thing is to do. And the the delta between those things in your lived experience is so fucking small, it's laughable. It's like comparing pebbles, you know, that you need a microscope to tell that they're different. And I really think that that is where probably, because you look out over the history of humankind, And it's not like we're the first people to be thinking about or talking about this stuff, obviously, right? For thousands of years, people wrote down all the answers to all of this in some abstracted fashion. And I think where most people probably end up getting sucked into the vortex is right in this part. Because, and I think this is likely why a a guru or somebody who's really like beyond, beyond is so critical to this phase because you, Think you are that, and all of a sudden you become a poisoned well, and others come to drink from your poisoned well, and now you are suddenly poisoning others with this hubris and this, like, you know, misunderstanding of reality. Yeah, I mean, and this is, I mean, that's a great point you bring up because I've been someone who uh, has gone down all the the rabbit holes. If you were to, well, you can't see my bookshelf, but my bookshelf behind me is full of all sorts of really interesting books and schools of thoughts and teachings. And, and, um, and that was good for a really long time. And I spent a lot of time going down those paths. But for me, mo- most recently in the last year, it has been the decision to dedicate to working with a specific teacher that I I'm feel like 
things are starting to, to shift again because it's, it's like you said that razor different that, that little razor hair edge between intuition and kind of those those impulses or triggers like we can't see them and like just to think that we can like again that's it's you're deluding yourself like your mind will never be able it's your mind will never be able to kind of see those things and so finding a teacher that can start to um help you work with those things i feel is is very very important and uh i think for many people that could mean many teachers over over a lifetime and i believe you know people that are still you know like i know for a fact that nikki for example michael singer he's still working with with his teachers right like they come to the temple there and um and and i think that's so important because like if you and like you said it's like when you st- when you shut down and you're like okay i think i know this i've got this i'm the expert now i i know how to live my life that's the moment that that things start to derail and um so yeah i i for a i think it was important to sure. register everything around apprenticing jedi for that reason so that it would be a perpetual learning experience, right? Like that there at no point in this, if I'm still doing the same content production 25 years from now, it should mm-hmm. still be under the same handle, right? Like mm-hmm. there's never a, Oh, like I became the thing. It's mm-hmm. like, that's kind of the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to continue to learn in this lifetime and maybe many more depending on, on your, your belief structure. Well, it's funny you say that I had, um, I had a really powerful experience yesterday. A friend of mine sent me a, a 10 minute video of somebody doing um, five MEO DMT as part of a, a spiritual ceremony. I actually saw that. I saw that you posted that. Yeah. Um, it basically in the first three minutes, it mirrored what felt like the peak experiences that I've had on psychedelics compressed into three minutes. And it was really, it was just overwhelming to watch because when he started saying things like, I am everything, oh my God, I am everything. And it's like, ah, yes, the terrifying mind ripping realizations of your ego dissolution. And what that's been doing for me um, lately is since I had this sort of waking up to the notion that we are a lot more powerful than we think, but it's only by giving up control. <laughs> it's just like that, that, you know, mind fuck cosmic paradox that we uh, exist in. But I, what I realized is that the, the level of realization that I had, because when you're in these states, you know things like it's just suddenly becomes a part of your existence in a way that feels more true than one plus one equals two it's you'll never be able to explain it to anybody but it's like somehow you have just experienced something that you'll never you'll never go back from what you saw saw right and i think that it happened to me at a time in such great clarity that the responsibility of well you can do anything then suddenly every day that I wake up, because I am not yet through the ocean of samskaras and trauma, the shame demon is like on top of me, like a feral animal, like, hey, dipshit, you could be Christ. What the fuck are you doing? Get off your ass. Get out of bed. Get, you know, whatever the things are, the shoulds, right? Like it created an overnight 
like should explosion that I didn't even see. Because mm. the implication is you, you literally have the entire power to, to mold the universe in front of you. So what the fuck are you doing? Mm. And uh, so that's what I've been dealing with uh, most recently is like, despite the fact that I've released so much, so much, and I'm generally speaking so much more still and calm and infinitely more present. Like there's just no comparison. My lived experience is still terrorized most days because it just created this new, like this new feature set of things to be dealt with. And I think a large part of this journey, if you are able to continue it in a linear progressive path of some kind is just becoming completely okay with every part of what I just said. And the even more challenging part is the idea that I might die and absolutely nothing that I ever did in this life would ever have mattered beyond as, as much as it mattered as the life of a squirrel in the woods or somebody across the street or somebody in India and somebody in Antarctica 200,000 years ago, right? Like every single one of those things is equally as significant as my entire existence. And man, does the ego just not do okay with that? It's like, no, I must matter. Ah! And that's been the washing machine. Yeah. I mean, I think that to some degree, that's something that we'll all, if we're not careful. And it's also like my experience of like awakening or anything else that you want to label it as, it's like, it's not this like, different people but for me my experience is not this like one and done thing right so like right. there's been periods in my life where it's like I felt like I had it all figured out and it was so clear and like I'm like universal oneness and just like nothing matters you know other than just like being right and I could do nothing and everything is, is good right and, and I've had that as a felt experience and not just like an idea but like a truly felt experience and then other days I could wake up on the wrong side of the bed and just be like, fuck this. Like, what, <laughs> what am I doing with my life? Like, you know, has everything I've done made a damn of a difference in any, in any way? Should I just like, like go back to being plugged into the matrix and just like resign myself to just like whatever, you know? And so like, yeah, I, I think that that's common for most people. I don't, I don't see it as like, magically it's just going to be done right and um someone that really speaks really i don't know have you, have you listened to adi shanti stuff at all i don't think so so you should check out uh, what's the name of the book uh i'll send you the, the name but he has a book i think he speaks very eloquently about this idea of just kind of like the bit of a bit of the yo-yo and effect and then the stabilization of of kind of an awakening process uh I, what's it called the end i think it's called the end of your world might be oh i would like very much to read that. <laughs> yeah, it's an incredible book there's actually the better way to do it so there's a book i think it is called the end of your world but there's a book version of it there's also an audio version of it that's like the expanded version it's probably like eight hours nice worth of like uh lectures on this it's incredible like it was one of the most helpful um things that i studied related specifically to what you described that you're kind of uh, working with. So yeah, I might check out his stuff. It's pretty amazing. 
And I don't think it's always been like this for all of history, meaning I don't know that it's been so opaque at this stage, but right now it feels like this stage is really precarious for people in our Mm -hmm. time in history because we killed all the fucking shamans. Right, we burned all the witches. We 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 eliminated everybody who had a clue about anything related to this stuff. And now we're out here like sojourning in the night with a, a toothpick as a torch. <laughs> it's like, woo-wee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> scary out here, guys. <laughs> and I say yeah. it's scary out here. Like if, if people haven't spent a lot of because I spent two hours a week in complete darkness. Right. Silence. Well, I shouldn't say it. That's not always true. Sometimes I have music and sometimes I'll, you know, do some kind of a a movement to release energy or whatever. But generally speaking, like I've spent an inordinate amount of time by myself in the dark and it's fucking terrifying sometimes, you know, like sometimes you don't want to be alone in the dark with your own thoughts. And we used to have guides. We used to have ceremonies and rituals and like all the stuff. And we summarily threw it out in favor of quote unquote progress, which I think is part of the cosmic comedy of it all, by the way, I start to see things now less as um, like perverse and worthy of ire. And now I look at it as like, are you fucking serious? Like that's how, that's how we had to get to this. Like every bad thing, quote unquote, that's ever happened, I think just had to happen. I think there was just no other way for it to happen. I don't think that the yin yang of the universe allows for just pure quote unquote good, just only good feelings and good, whatever. I think it's just look at the animal world, right? You would define it bad that a eagle flies into a a squirrel den and eats all the babies. It's like, but is that bad? Was it bad for the eagle? Was it bad for the eagle's babies? Like who is it bad for? And that goes to the hubris of the human experience where we're like, we presume to know fucking anything. It's like, who knows what's good or bad? It's like, at what? It's all, it's all relative and exactly to our experience as well, right? So we're sitting here talking right now and we're having a shared experience, but we're not necessarily experiencing. There, there's a unity of certain concepts and ideas, but we're not experiencing this conversation in the same way. So not even close. We could call it neutral, good, or bad, and then every kind of variation of like thought stream. Like you'll say something, it'll trigger something in me, and, it'll, and you know I'll start thinking, oh yeah, that thing, you know, that experience I had, and and vice versa. And so like that's the thing, right? But on one level, it's all playing out, and uh, we are. Yeah, we're just experiencing it differently and so it's it's like fractals right like we're and then we're having this conversation right now and my wife's downstairs cooking a meal and like she's having a completely different experience and there's also a shared experience she knows that i'm having this conversation with you so like yeah there is you know and i and i really do believe that idea like you know nobody one thing i do believe is that nobody really thinks that they're doing wrong or evil right like i don't know like Putin right now thinks know, he's doing he, the right thing. He he's, he's very right convinced thing. he's doing the right thing. And and I try to remember this when I, you know, it doesn't mean you keep yourself in bad situations, but when speaking with others, like I try to remember this, like how many things, you know, it's all on a scale, right? But like how many things have you done in your life that in retrospect, you're like, yeah, that really didn't contribute to the greater good. But at the moment you thought you were, 
doing something useful, right? You, you know, nobody does something trying to be bad. You know, now I will say sometimes people will do something knowing they're not doing the right thing, but when they follow that path back, there's always something that justifies that, right? That, that feels yeah. associated. Well, and it might've been that they were simply so hurt. Like I can think times in my life that I have knowingly engaged in ill-begotten gains because I was so hurt. It was the, it was like the lifeline I needed to live another hour. You yeah. know, it was like, I needed some sort of a hit of that energy because I was so blocked up. I needed something to come through to like, just keep me going. And it's in those times that I think we see what is called evil, right? That's what we look at and see as evil. So I see a Vladimir Putin and I see a young boy who is hurt so badly that he can't stop hurting other people, you know, and you look at a Hitler, I see the same thing. It's like, yeah, does that mean that they're less monstrous? It's like, no, they still killed millions of people. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind about it. But what does that mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know that it necessarily means anything. It just means that we need to be more attentive to our kids, right? And it sounds silly. It's like, oh, we're going to stop Vladimir Putin. We're going to stop World War III by being more attentive to our kids. It's like, yeah, I actually think that's the answer. I think the answer is everybody needs to stop being so fucking woke and worrying about what's going on in everybody else's house everywhere around the world. And it's like, let me deal with this toxic wasteland <laughs> inside of me. Cause everybody's got one. Every it's a feature. That's the whole original sin concept. In my mind, you're born an infinite power behind these ridiculous constraints and an empty database with no fucking user manual. And now you're just walking around like a robot with laser eyes and shit, just ruining the universe because you don't know what you're doing. And then hopefully one day you wake up and you're like, oh my God, all right, just stop laser eyeing everything, right? Like just shut down the random shit and let me figure out how the system works. That's where I, that's the stage I feel like I'm at is I realized I was like a, I was like a manticore X-Men. And if you don't know, it's a animal that has a bunch of different, or a mythical creature has a bunch of different types of animals on it, right? And that's how I felt is like, I was just out there just whipping around doing whatever the hell came to my intuition impulse, destroying everyone and everything around me. And finally, I was just like, oh, I should probably stop doing that. And now it's like uh, the tank work, this stuff, reading all of it is really just like, how does this like mech warrior (laughs) operate? How is it exactly that like all of this stuff works? Because you look at people like uh, David Blaine or Wim Hof, right? These are real life people who exist today who can change their physiology with nothing but a thought. How the fuck is that possible? How is it you can raise and lower your body temperature, your immunology, your whatever, right? And I I know that there are people who um, have chemical reasons for why they can't experience pain, right? So you could argue, oh, is David Blaine one of those guys in terms of shoving stuff through his body? I don't think that he is, by the way, but I appreciate that there's a possible there there. But then you look at stuff like the, um, the monk on the cover of the Rage Against the Machine album, I can't remember the gentleman's name. I think he was Vietnamese who sat down, poured gasoline on himself and burnt himself alive. The implication there is that he figured out how to override every single subconscious system in his body because everybody else 
right? Like we can't not react to somebody beeping at us at an intersection, let alone your body's being immolated and every single subsystem is saying, get the fuck out of there. So all that to say, um, I'm very intrigued by this process of like decoding a user manual that doesn't exist. And for me lately, what that looks like is a lot of, um, I've been really leaning into discipline, which is like, it's really easy to, well, a few things that came up for me, back to kind of what you were sharing, like it's very easy to judge others' experiences and then like continue kind of going around blindly, like you said, and not really pausing to kind of look at your own experience and what does it mean to, to get your own house in order. But then like, even beyond that, like, as someone who's kind of been studying these things for years, one of the things I started to realize is like, this is back to some of the spiritual ego, but it's like, we think we know what's best for us. So if, if you could see, this is what the big thing that's changed for me in the last year. Um, if you could see my bookshelf, you'd see all these different schools of thought. And I realized what I've been doing is like borrowing, picking and borrowing different things. And as I'd read them from these different schools of thought on one level, my mind was still there because I'd be like, oh, I like that. Yeah. Oh, that yeah, doesn't yeah. feel comfortable. Oh, this I like fits, that. This fits my narrative. This yeah. fits my mold, right? So then I was kind of creating this like, like hodgepodge of like, you know, it's yoga, is it Taoism, is it Tantra, is it like Buddhism, like all these different things, but it's like this hodgepodge. And it's like, oh, but that feels uncomfortable. So maybe I won't go there. Maybe I'll just like find something else over here. And I put that all together. And so more recently, what I've, I've been focusing on is like you know what this is like the next for me the next level of, of my path I believe is like it's further surrender but it's like and it's it is to the it, in my case it is to my teacher which is like it's a trust of like this is a path I don't have to submit and say this is forever but this is back to that story of like the fog right but I do have to say like okay I now have enough wisdom to understand that like I am avoiding the uncomfortable parts of even what the path is. And so I need to become more disciplined with that. And I need to submit myself and just have faith and trust in this process and do the things that I don't want to do. Like, like, you know, right now I'm going through a pretty radical dietary shift based on the guidance I'm getting and it. In a lot of ways, it's like running very uh, in conflict to everything I think I know about diet, everything I yeah. think I've studied science wise. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm having to choose to do that on some level of faith. And I've realized that that's something that's very difficult for me. And it's like, like, um, like one, I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but one of the things I've asked quite a few different spiritual teachers over the years is like, around this idea of death and like mortality. And I'll be like, how can, how can you know with such conviction? Like, like I'm, I'm like, I'll be like, I'm almost like jealous. Like, I'll, you, you'll, like, how can you like teach this with such conviction? Like that this is the truth. And, um, but what I realized is I haven't been, I haven't been allowing myself to go there because I've been avoiding those, those uncomfortable parts. And it's much easier just to be like, get to a certain level and you can go pretty far before you, depending on where you're at, you can go pretty far before this like 
happens, but you'll get to a certain point and you're, you'll back off and that's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So, so for me, yeah, like, and I'm getting a little long-winded here, but it's really submitting to a specific path, being disciplined and, and um, asking, you know, my teacher keeps saying like, what do you really want? Like that's, that's her, her, her thing, right? It's like continuous asking, like, what do you really want here? What do you really want here? Because it's like, you'll say one thing and then you'll be like, Oh, but what is your intention? What's your highest intention? Yeah. But it's, and it's, no, I'm asking specifically, what is it? What is my highest intention? Mine is to surrender until I don't exist. Surrender to, yeah. I mean, I would say, um, for me, it's really about under, I'm, I'm looking to, yeah, essentially surrender understand the nature of reality at the highest level that I, I can um, experience the highest levels of peace and do that in a way that contributes to a greater unity for, for all beings, essentially, uh, not for, for self, but it's like if I, can, if I can align these things and experience these things for myself, I believe that's how I can be of highest service in this lifetime, in this body, in the resources that I have. And to the degree that I remain unable to do that on any level, I'm limiting my, uh, my ability to kind of serve in that, that way, uh, is I guess the way I would, would describe it. I fully, um, it's funny how much of this conversation feels, um, almost like when I hear you talk, it's, it's just such a parallel to so many of the things either I'm actively experiencing or have in the last couple of years. Um, but what I noticed uh, last year was a kind of exactly what you're describing, which is that you've got this spiritual path in front of you and there's lots of fun things, right? Like you can go off on these retreats for days. And if you're not careful it's very easy. You can see that a lot of it could easily just be this hedonistic, you know, revelry where it's like, Oh, look at me. I'm opening up and I'm experiencing and I'm loving and whatever. But if you're not careful, you fall into a trap of that's all you do. And now all you're doing is the stuff that's fun and feels good and tickles your fancy. And you're avoiding all the parts where you sit and think about death and, you know, dance around the samskaras that um, are still hidden. Because one of the interesting things that I've noticed is it's almost like you shed them from the outside moving in. So um, part of the whole yoga experience for me has been that the asanas, the actual, the, um, the bodily movements, which is one of the limbs of yoga, one of the eight limbs, is actually, it's like like a glow stick. It's breaking open all the old stuff and allowing me to get my mobility back. But it's, it's working almost from like the limbs inward. And as I get closer to the stuff that's like against the spine, it's heavier and darker. And so like that, that repulsion, that instinctive, like, Oh, I ain't going there is so strong because it got stitched in there 30, 35 years ago. Right. It's been running my entire life for a very, very long time. So one of the things that I'm building into this um, practice, and if 
folks have been following for a short time, you may have recalled that I started doing this um, idea where I'm going to learn new skills and then perform them in flow state. Um, And the reason for that is I'm fucking terrified. You know, you talk about the public speaking thing. I'm still scared to publicly speak. Um, less so with strangers. Like I've gotten up and spoken to hundreds of people on stage before, no problem. Um, and maybe that's because I got my ass kicked in front of hundreds of people before. And so maybe I'm just comfortable with like, sort of like the worst possible outcome. Like you can't get worse than that. Um, but I, I still, there's just many instances where I can feel almost paralyzed with the, oh, I'm not doing that. And so I'm going to, and I'm going to get back on it. Um, I had to take a little bit of a break because there was a bunch of things personally and professionally. It just became too much to sort of handle at once. But I'm really keen to get right back into the path of, okay, this makes me want to throw up and pass out. I guess that means I should do it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's it, man. Like that's, to me, it's related to the fog, but the other, you know, some author uses the word, you know, um, leaning into the resistance and, but that that's been exactly part of my path too. If, if I identify something that is like, this is uncomfortable, then it's almost like this. You can't, weird, then you must. It's like, it's like, all right, well then that's the thing I have to do, you know, yeah. like, and it's, it's, uh, yeah, it takes a lot of energy, but it's, to me, it's been where all the, the growth has happened. Um, so interesting that you like, so I'm the exact opposite of you when, with the speaking thing, like I can have like deep, conversations like intimate conversations with people no problem but for whatever reason like i as much as work i've done like whenever there's like a lot of people it's like i freeze up and it's so weird because i have so much uh, awareness of it and and i know it's like a self-centeredness i know it's like like i know all these things but yet my body still just reacts like i had to there's do something that. deep it must have been I, when you were very yeah, very young a kid right because i like i did a summit talk this week and it, you know it it's funny because it was even pre-recorded, but I knew that it was going to go out to at least there's 30 guest speakers. I knew it was going to go out to at least 50 to a hundred thousand people. And, Holy shit. and uh, yeah, it was pretty badass. Like I'm still super excited to have been on this panel, but like, it's so funny because I coached myself, I practiced all week. And then like, like clockwork about 45 minutes before I had to get on this call i could feel like i could feel palms like, sweating starting to get light i could feel my <laughs> arms starting to get a little tingly i felt like as i was walking around the house i was like oh my balance is off a little bit like it's like yeah. it's a very deep uh deep thing and so but but the reason i brought this up is that's why i had to do this like like i when these opportunities come up now in the past i used to i would just be like no i'm not going to do that that's uncomfortable now my practice is like that's the thing i have to do and it's 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 hard man like i'll be honest like that whole experience for me like yesterday so i did that no i did this tuesday i was exhausted yesterday like mm-hmm. half my day i was like wiped energetically from doing the yeah. thing on on tuesday but um yeah i don't know i, I feel like that's that's where the and people the, can't you know to go back to the lived experience your individual experience and how different it is from everybody else mm-hmm. one of the most beautiful things that i've gotten out of this has been um the ability to empathize and to feel like even for a moment, what might it even possibly be like to have somebody else's experience. So I'll give you an example of something that other people might consider un- trivial to a level of laughability, but for whatever reason, I grew up with an incredible level of body shame. So like 
the idea of even being shirtless at the beach is was an impossible construct for me for most of my adult life. And regardless of what my actual physicality looked like, by the way, because by any like reasonable standard, I would not have been even in the bottom quartile of worst bodies on the beach. But like, regardless, that was still, it was painful. Like it, at a level, it's really difficult to explain to folks. And so, I don't know, it was maybe a month ago. Um, it just occurred to me that like, I've never been out of my own home without underwear on before ever in my entire life. Like it's just never happened. And so the act of like putting on pants and going just to my float, which is like a seven minute drive, right? Where I'll have to interact with maybe two people. Should I see someone in the parking lot? And should there be someone at the desk? Well, there's going to be somebody at the desk, but we're talking about like 15 seconds. Cause I'm in there twice a week, right? Like there's no interaction. And it's astonishing to describe like what that took to muster it. And then it's not because it's the thing that you need to do all the time. I have no compul- I've not had a compulsion to do it since, but I knew that I had to do it then because it was part of that shadow. It's like this unexplored area where if you can't, then you must. Not because there's any actual reason why you need to have done the thing, except to have conquered that demon that has like locked you into this notion of thinking that you can you can't do certain things. And it's crazy. And I know it sounds bananas, but I really think that there's, there's almost no end to how far you, you probably should take that kind of a, a notion, you know, like if you're afraid to even think a thought, what are you going to do to avoid thinking that thought, right? The cost of that over a lifetime will be very high. Yeah. I mean, this was very, you know, kind of bringing it back to some of my professional stuff. This was something that was very real for me, maybe two and a half years ago. Uh, And it was along the same lines of thinking. So like I I told you the story about I left and went to uh, help my wife run the practice. And then what came out of that was I started a consulting company for private practice owners and helping them do their marketing. And I won't go into all the details of that, but it very quickly became uh, a beast of its own very quickly was like making way more money doing that than running the practice is getting up. You know, I was solopreneur. I had like a, a VA working for me and I'd, I'd have a few contractors helping me, but I got to where I was having like six figure months, like within 12 months of running, starting this business. And it was like, Holy shit. Like I didn't know this was like possible for myself. So that in itself was like a hugely powerful experience, but talking about the fear and the thing of what you must, I got to, um, I ran that business for a couple of years uh, and it varying degrees of success. It wasn't all like high points of, of that kind of income, but there were points where it was like insanely rewarding. But I got to a point then where it's so funny, right? Like the traps that we find, like I had left the corporate world and I was like, this is fucking cool. I'm an entrepreneur now, like I'm doing my own thing. And then I realized like I was basically creating my own new trap because I was like, okay, now I have this machine that I've created here. It was sort of an accidental business because the reality of that business was that I started it like helping my wife and then practice owners started like literally begging me. They were like, I remember I had a friend who owns, he's actually my only client in that space still because he's a good friend. He owns like eight practices in Ohio. And he was like, literally just kind of like, please help me do this. Please. (laughs) I I need what you have. And I, I was very reluctant. I was like, I can't, 
I was like, this is just my hobby. I'm doing this because it's my thing, you know, and finally said yes to him. <laughs> so again, that was an act of like kind of surrender in itself. I finally was like, you know what? I keep being asked to do this. I need to do this. And then that just quickly spiraled into this thing. And I, I remember where I was exactly. I was sitting at my desk. This is when I was still in, before I moved to Florida. And uh, I was like, all right, if I'm going to keep running this business, I have to like put on my big boy pants, grow up, like hire a team, like do all these things. And I was like, that doesn't feel right to me. It's like not what I want to be doing. It's kind of like why I left corporate in the first place. And this isn't even like what my passion is. Like as great as it felt to be helping these people on some level, I was like, I don't want to be doing this the rest of my life. And so I literally, I got that thought. I, I was like, but then I was like, this is really scary. I was like, now I'm like making good money. I had like bought this like sweet, I just gone to like Italy. I bought this like sweet ass, like BMW, like X6. And I was just like hanging out, like living life, right? Like going on retreats, spending a bunch of money, which that's a whole nother story of like mm -hmm. getting over that whole thing. But like, then I was like, I realized I was like afraid to lose it all. And I was like, interesting. I was like, this was kind of like a accidental thing. It wasn't even expected back to the point of like the fog or not being strategic. It's like, I didn't predict or plan that I was going to have this thing happen. And now I'm grasping it and I like, don't want to lose it. And the, uh... time, it's not like what I really want. Right. So I literally, again, made the decision. I was like, I'm going to shut this thing down. And people thought I was crazy. And in some degree, I probably was. Like, I should have found, like, a managing partner or someone to, like, it, it was a really, in a linear stand, from a linear stand, it was a really, really pissed for business decision. I literally just, like, shut the thing down. Like, I sent an email to, like, the list, and I was like, Sorry. I'm done. I'm moving to Florida. Like, I'm going to talk about, like, other interesting things marketing related. And if you still want to follow me, like, go for it. Otherwise I wish you well. You know, sort of like and uh, literally just shut it down. And then we like moved to Florida and, but like it's the tie in here is like, that was exactly what you were talking about. It was like, it felt like I had to do that because it was like the edge of my fear. And my fear was like, okay. So I like experienced this huge growth up level where I'm like, okay, I'm actually capable of making like way more money than I thought I was. I'm way more independent and sufficient with my skill set than I, I thought I was. Now I feel trapped because I think that like I'm only capable within this new identity, you know, whereas before I thought I was only capable in uh, corporate. Now I think I'm only capable in this way. I was like, I need to know what's beyond that. And I really need to align it with like what I'm most passionate about now and what's like true for me. And so that was freaking scary. And like, in all honesty, like, I haven't made it back to where I was financially. Like I'm doing just fine. Like I'm a very happy, happy, healthy business. Um, but I'm not having the same level of, of financial wealth yet, yet. <laughs> uh, but I'm so much happier and I love the work that I'm doing. And so that's an example, but like, that was like the hardest thing. Like, and again, people ask me all the time that aren't really in line with this. They're like, why did you do that? You know? And it's, I think it goes to the, um, to bring it back to that yogic notion of samskaras, even if you get into spiritual practices and if you believe in the notion of trapped energy, I've found that virtually everybody only thinks about the negative, right? They only think about what you don't want. 
And what they don't realize is that you create the same energetic eddy, I'll call it, right? Like the swirl of trapped stuff. When you've had an experience so good, you never want to lose it. And this is a deep, deep well. It's a very deep well. And I don't claim to be an expert in it, but I do claim to have have been in the waters. And like, for anybody who has kids, there's so much work to be done. Because if you're not okay with your kids dying today, you're in de- you're in deep spiritual danger every day. Because you can't control a fucking thing. I can't control who's going to shoot up a school or if a bus is going to go off a cliff or whatever, right? It doesn't mean I need to like it or like want it, but to not be okay with anything that happens, anything, you're setting yourself a trap of incomprehensible damage. Because when the thing happens that you thought couldn't happen, and it will, someday to you, it will happen. One of the things you said couldn't happen will happen, and your entire world is going to crumble. You know, you were talking before about like, I think we were talking earlier about like the notion of mind maps and how like, Everything you thought about life, if suddenly that comes down around you, that's a terrifying scenario to be in because it's not like, oh, let me make some incremental changes. It's like, oh, literally every single thing I've ever used to navigate the space of this universe or realm, whatever the hell we want to call it, I can no longer trust because something so critical, like a Jenga piece at the base, turned out to have been something completely different. And now nothing works like I thought. And I honestly think that's how some people have these psychotic breaks or just go off into like a ravine of depression, drinking, suicide, whatever, is that like something happens and they they were spending so much time avoiding that they never they never created any anti-fragility, right, to deal with the realities of life. And then eventually it was just something that was too big for the system. And then it's like you can, it's Humpty Dumpty. You can't put the pieces back together. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, it's like back to my, what I was sharing about my health being my greatest teacher. It's like, I am so grateful for the lessons that that has taught me and what it continues to teach me and how it's prepared me to meet each moment that is in front of me. So another thing that I haven't shared, uh, actually probably publicly at all, uh, other than uh, with some very close friends is I'm still dealing with all the health stuff. So I just talk about a mind fuck. Like I, uh, um, when I moved to Jacksonville here, I got, uh, I started working with this new integrative doctor and she's like figuring all this stuff out. And she's like, I think you also have something going on with your thyroid, you should go get get it scanned. So I was like, okay, like, that's cool. Someone actually is figuring something out. So I went and got scanned. Turns out I have a 4.3 centimeter mass in my, in my thyroid. So then I had to like, by, by great, by great luck, I find myself in Jacksonville, which is where Mayo is, which is a fantastic, uh, by conventional standards health system. So then I had to go get a, a biopsy and first time it came back clean. So then fast forward to a year later, this is just in December, my doctor's like, I need you to do this again, just to make sure it's checked. This time it came back, not good. So it's like 60% chance of being malignant. And so 
Gotta get that out of there. Uncertainty. I'm like carrying that like right now. Like so, I'm I'm trying to make decisions around it. Uh, you know, on one hand, you know, they're like, you need to get this like taken out right away. You know, other people are like, you should just monitor it, watch it, and uh, you know, I I mention this mainly because like it continues to be my greatest teacher and the fact and I feel like I've been preparing I've been prepared life has given me what I've needed to be okay with this uncertainty that I'm dealing with now and uh and I'm super grateful for that like I think if this had happened to me 10 years ago I would have like you said I think I would have just shattered like Humpty Dumpty like I wouldn't been able to like function I wouldn't have been able to like support the other people in my life that need my support i wouldn't be able to continue to run my business do the things that i'm doing and now i'm not going to say it's not scary it is scary it's like it's a real thing right um but i feel like i have an expanded capacity to hold that and um and again just having seen how things have worked in my own experience trust that there's really not much to worry about so like i'm I'm just, it's just, I'm letting it unfold. I'm going to Costa Rica for a month in April and going to be hanging out in some cool uh, places where there might be some good opportunity for like natural uh, type healing. And then I'm going to come back and make the best decision that, that shows up for me at that time. But on a day-to-day basis, like we could drive ourselves crazy. Like I could be Mm -hmm. sitting there thinking about it all day, every day, like, you know, am I going to live? Am I going to die? Like, what is this going to mean? Blah, blah, blah. But it's just like, it's not useful. Like, it's just, it's not useful. Like, it's just yeah. not, you know? And I was so, speaking with, um, yeah. I've got a, a cousin of mine who's a uh, PhD, works at a very prominent uh, pharmaceutical company in research. And I was explaining to him my my hypothesis that I think that it is possible not it's not possible for everybody in every lifetime but i think it's possible for humans to cure cancer with their with their consciousness i'm not going to say their mind because that's not correct i don't mean the database ape thing that's like the gray matter between our ears i mean the superordinate thing that can tell all that other machinery what to do i think if you get deep enough into the code you can do anything and it's a really challenging thing because he's not wrong. He's like, there are things that are encoded in your DNA that when they turn on, like you're going to have malignant cancer at the end. And I, I don't disagree with that. What I, what I have as a ridiculous belief, and I'm saying it as ridiculous because I have no reason, I have no real reason to believe this, but I do in my bones. I think you can go and change that switch. I think you can go ride down the double helix and just be like, like pop shit in and out, like do whatever you want. Well, it's interesting. I think you can, I actually think you can too, but here's the catch and all that. The minute, this is what I believe. And this is like where the work is, right? Cause I'm not there, honestly, if I'm honest with myself, if, if I'm attached to like my need to actually fix it, it's never going to yes, happen. Exactly. I to, <laughs> exactly. I actually have to be, and yes. I can't just say it. Like it's one right. thing to say it, it's another thing to actually experience it. Uh, I'm feeling I'm throngs that. of um, energy right now because of the, the, it feels like a, like this is a divine moment, what you're talking about, because it, that is 
so much of the cosmic fuckery. You know, you talk about like the 301 kind of level of this stuff and man, that's it, right? It's like you have unlimited power, but only if you don't want it. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing, right? You have to be okay with writing that. Like you have to be okay with following it through to the other logical, not logical, but the, the possibility, yeah. which is like, like, maybe it doesn't work. It doesn't work or you die. Right. And, yeah. and like, it's, and we are all going to die. Right. It's Spoiler alert. to say that. Um, and even trick yourself into thinking that you believe it. Um, but there's a lot of deep work that goes into having that as a felt experience. And I think that to your point, it's absolutely possible. I truly believe that. I think that people have done it, will continue to do it. And then uh, others, it, it may just not be for them in their particular In this, in this roundabout, right? This trip around the sun or whatever. And that's, and that's okay too. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's fascinating. Like it's just, and so that's why I think you have all these interesting stories of different healing paths and things that defy science is because, yeah, there's, there's much more to it than, than meets, than meets the eye. And, and I'm so convinced of it probably because I'm doing it physically in ways that I can observe. So a lot of the stuff that ends up happening um, in meditation Lately, it has been quite a bit in the float tank um, for like the first half of it um, before I, I, you know, lay down and go into the nothing zone. Um, but when I'm in like a almost like a trance like state doing like personal yoga, you could call it. I'm not thinking about anything. Or if I am, it has nothing to do with what my body's doing. My body is taking the intuition moment by moment from somewhere else and whether it's taking it out of my dna i've been reading some wild shit recently graham hancock and like there's a very real probability that that's true that like we have encoded insane databases in our dna that was sent here from elsewhere in the universe because the delta between when the earth went from hot molten like magma to crust to life was only 500 million years. And I say only, that is a ridiculously small period of time. If you look over the cosmic time horizon of how long it takes for things to happen, I was reading something like one in one to the 280th likelihood that um, at any moment, a single protein would spontaneously order itself. And there's only like one to the 90th atoms in the universe or something, right? Just for scale. So we can't even conceive of what I just said. And that's like a single proton, uh, yeah, proton, protein, um, jumping into, to, uh, why, what am I talking about, Phil? What is going on? Where have I gone? This is the danger of flow state is you, you leap off a cliff and then you're like, I literally don't even know what we're talking about anymore. How do we get on this? What was I saying? I think we're going down the, uh, I've lost it too, honestly. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> it is what it is. So let's come back to um, your, the dance of spirituality and uh, physicality. So, you know, we have shared um, some mutual fondness for Mikey 
yeah, Mikey, Mickey, Michael Singer in the untethered soul. Like, how did you come across that? And where, whereabouts in your process did you find it? And how does it show up in your daily life? Oh, man. Um, when I first read one of his books, it was when I was still in Boston. Oh, wow. Quite a few years. And one of the interesting things about his books is I've read them multiple times at this point. Every time I read it again and from a different space, it like reveals something different to me. So like when I read it for the first time, it was probably on a quite superficial level. Um, and then, you know, if I were to read it again today, I would, I would totally get something different from it. But two things that really brought it, his teachings or, or to life for me, I um, actually has an awesome course. I don't know if, I think I, Told you about it or shared it to you, but he has an amazing uh, like recorded course uh, that really expanded upon the books, and that really started to help me go deeper with it. And then I moved to Florida, and I, I remember for years I was like, "God, man, it'd be so cool to like go to the temple." And uh, so when I moved to St. Petersburg originally, I was like, "I'm gonna make this priority go there." So we just started driving up there. Um, yeah, we were going at least once, if not twice, a month for. A while up until uh, when COVID hit and then everything kind of shut down. Um, so that was an incredible experience of community. And I really have, I'm so excited actually. I just got an email from my friend there yesterday that they just announced they're reopened, by the way. Nice. Um, I will see you soon. Yeah, I'm going yeah, to fly down but, um, for that. But such a incredible community of people that, and so inclusive too. So one of the things I love about his community there is like, it's very, very open, very, not really trying to convince you of anything in particular. He's in a position um, by some chance that he's certainly not trying to sell you on anything. Like he doesn't, you know, one of the things that I found, and I'm sure you found this, you know, there's many people out there selling some whitewashed version of spirituality at, at this point. And, uh, at the end of the day, like there's a need associated with that, right? Like there's an economic factor mm -hmm. involved. And so it's, it's an interesting when you can start to combine capitalism with, with spirituality, but in his case, it's, you know, while he's had mainstream success, there's like this purity to it in the sense that, yeah, there's like obvious, there's an obvious non-attachment for any sort of financial uh, need behind it. And so you really feel that when you go there and then, the other thing that's really interesting is that um, I'm not really answering your question directly, but the other thing that's really interesting about going there is like, I had this assumption that like, um, you know, he's very well known uh, and that I would go there and there'd be like all these people and it would be like busy and roped off and yeah, but just like, <laughs> it's really interesting. Cause there's like this, it must be that there's many people that read this stuff, but then they just don't, go that much deeper because like, right. I go there on any given weekend and there'd be like, I don't know, 30 to 40 people there. That's it. And like, yeah. usually when I go again, it like at least half of them were the same people that were there the week before. Right. right. And so, um, yeah, really like awesome place to meet other, other people that were walking this path. And that was the reason I went down this path is like, that's been a challenge for me for a lot, a lot of my, uh, history saying stuff is like trying to find, communities of people to plug in with that um, I felt I could relate with and have 
deeper conversations. And that's yeah, been the um, hardest part of this whole yeah. thing. It's like, yeah. so who I've, the fuck I've do on, I talk to? I've gone on retreats and things like that. And I've had some of those experiences that have definitely been positive. I've had positive and, you know, and ones, but, but something I really appreciate about that. I was just like very open, very honest, like no agenda. None of that, like culty try to like bring you into the full kind of vibe felt very safe. And yeah, I've had, you know, I have one person there that has become a pretty good friend of mine. It's like an Ayurvedic doctor and he's studied with Mickey for that yeah, at least 10 years uh, directly kind of working with him. And um, yeah, so just to be able to be exposed to those types of people has been hugely helpful. And that's what I've appreciated the most. Um, and then also giving voice to like, I think that for me, his concept, and what he shared about the idea of surrender really was kind of like the, the gateway to me for like a deeper exploration of some of these yogic paths and yogic concepts. Um, and yeah, I really am grateful and appreciative of him making that accessible and making it, like I said, something that you can read on the surface and, and glean one thing, but that just kind of challenges you to maybe look a little bit deeper and um, so, so yeah, it's been hugely uh, impactful for me. I've, you know, since then kind of gone in a new direction with where I'm studying now, but uh, I still have such respect and, and will still continue to go because again, like it's not, it's a very universal. Right. That's what I love about it. so non-denominational. It doesn't yeah. matter what you believe in. There's just nothing but pure truth coming out of that place. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's so fun to go there. And like the Kirtan, the Kirtan is like my favorite part. Like, Mickey gets out this, he's got this like old school, like Casio, Casio keyboard. And then just in his Mickey voice, he's just like, he's just doing the, you know, just the chants. And it's just, Amazing. it's out of this world. Like the, the, the energy that you, you feel there and the kind of, uh, yeah, the environment that he's created, it feels like a very sacred place. You know, I forget how many acres he has, but he has all this protected forest. Over a hundred. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of a property and, um, and the crazy part is that he got all of it by surrendering. Yeah. You know, if you read the surrender experiment, you're not even going to fucking believe it. Yeah. You know, this guy drops out of life, moves in a, I don't know, it was a van or a truck out into the woods in the middle of nowhere, Florida to meditate and wakes up a fucking CEO of a billion dollar company getting indicted by the FBI. Right? It's like, what, what is happening? And then, you know, uh, spoiler alert for folks who don't know the story. He gets convicted by a jury, guilty, federal, prison, coming down the pike. And the fucking judge says, you know, I just don't think you did it. And lets him off. Guys, what? Is anyone listening? Pay attention. This shit is real. When you surrender, the universe will conspire to take care of you but you have to actually surrender. He wrote The Untethered Soul in the middle of the trial. He was literally in the middle of his entire life possibly becoming undone and going away to jail for the rest of his adult life until he died. And the guy writes one of the most significant spiritual works in history. It's just amazing. Yeah, it's quite, an, quite an incredible story. Uh, so that's top his new book's coming out. I'm already starting to see the Facebook ads, actually. Nice. Uh, so it's coming out very soon. And yeah, he'll definitely have to plan a trip to come down to the temple. It's something I try to get all of my 
my friends who are so inclined to come. Absolutely. It's uh it's an experience that everybody should have. If you can take actually if you can take more than so the main the main uh I don't know what you would call it. Uh service. Service, yeah. <laughs> is on Sundays, but they actually do um like yoga and other stuff all during the week. So if you can oh, take nice. like a few days or a week, you can go and you can just like go to some of the other small group stuff, do yoga. It's yeah, it's very it's a very good experience. So yeah, definitely get that on your calendar. Anytime after uh after the beginning of May, I'll be back. I'd love to go over there with you. Very nice. Yeah. Well, my friend, on a fine whatever day of the week this is, Thursday morning. Yeah. Um I gotta tell you, this has been an incredible conversation for me. Mm. I miss you deeply. Um there's not a lot of people that I've met in my life where kind of instantly I knew uh, this person's going to be around for a while. Like there's something here, like this person, there's something. I'm going to say some crazy shit. It's like a vibration that your body can attune to that it knows that it means something, but you have no idea what it means at the time. You just know it's like, I don't know if you know, you know, mm. and you were one of those people. It was like, all right, this guy, this guy's going to be in orbit. I don't know for what, you know, I don't know how long, I don't know at what point. Um, but given how like asleep I was at those times, it's interesting how correct I was about those types of things. How often? Yeah. Um, so thank yeah, you for, really for sticking we, around. I'm really grateful we've stayed in touch. Uh, yeah, there's only a handful of people from those uh, from that those days that I've I've managed to keep in touch with, but uh, I'm glad we have. And yeah, the feeling is feeling is mutual. And, I was and very, by the way, uh, I was very excited to see kind of as from from the outside as you've kind of gone down this. Uh, very yeah, say more about that actually, because yeah. obviously I have absolutely no idea what it looks like. Yeah, right? I mean, I'm in I'll, it. I'll be like completely honest, like, and it's it's it's. Um, I admire it actually quite a bit. Like your, uh, your courage to kind of share, like, I think I commented on one of your LinkedIn posts, like about the, the courage of, of sharing those things publicly. It's, it's something that uh, most people don't feel comfortable to do. And I, and I think more people should do because so many people compartmentalize their experience and aren't truthful and authentic about what's going on when in reality we're all having these questions on, on some level. So the more that we can do that, I think it is helpful for everyone. And so I, I yeah, I think what you're doing is my suspicion is it's uh, highly medicinal for yourself. And I also think it is um, hugely valuable for others who can witness it and see someone. I think anytime we can see someone who is like, showing up and living kind of what you know the yogis would call a householder life and like have real responsibilities you know you have a family you have kids you hold down a real job and like a software company you know you're like a, a grown-ass adult right and yet you have this aspect of yourself right and um i just think that's hugely inspirational so yeah i would really commend you for being willing and courageous enough to share that with others um in fact i mean that was I have one person who was a past teacher of mine and uh, he runs a site now called This Epic Life. And that was the gift he gave me. I remember when I first met him, 
as like this dude worked in corporate. He's like legit. He has three kids. He has a house. Like he does all these things, and he has this deeply spiritual side to himself, and like these uh, things that he's not willing to sacrifice about his life experience. And so, to me, that was one of the most powerful models, and it's a model that I think um, the world needs more of. So yeah, uh, you know, when to, when you first kicked it off, there was a little bit of insanity to it all right and that's natural right and so right. like you know i think uh yeah again i think your willingness and openness I i'm curious like if you've had any pushback or if it's been mostly uh well received you know or if if you've just been fortunate i haven't had an iota of pushback yeah yeah i've my boss told me yesterday actually that he's started listening that's and he's, cool. he's gotten through a couple yeah because i know my experience is kind of a entrepreneur of sorts like i I don't answer to someone in that way. Although we all answer to someone, whether it's clients or whatever, but I was curious about your experience kind of being in a more traditional corporate role. If you've, if you've experienced that differently. I'm nowhere near as scared as I probably should be. Let's put it that way. Um, so a few revelations which are really more realizations. I, uh, my shadow was masculinity for a very long time. And that may come off sounding crazy to some people. I don't know. I, I don't know. But my dad, the ways in which he harmed me were always in masculine in nature, control, dominance, violence, whatever. And so I learned that to do those things or to use those things is evil, right? And so that part of me got shut off. That became my shadow. And so when I got in the cage and I fought Anthony, who I was on the podcast last, it was the first time I'd ever struck somebody with intent to harm in my entire life, my whole life. The, by the way, the wrong time to do that is when you're in a cage with a man who's been run over, stabbed. <laughs> like This is the wrong time to be in your first physical altercation, but that was real life. And so one of the things that I've come to realize is um, in sales, I have sort of gravitated towards people who were more, either were more feminine or were accepting of that more feminine energy. And so what I've found is that I do extraordinarily well with female executives because I'm neither threatened by them, nor am I a threatening presence as I think a lot of alpha male salespeople can be not literally threatening, but just aggressive, overbearing, whatever the things are. So I think I have a, a, quite a bit of luck on my side in that like a huge contingent of people that I interact with are female. And I think in general, a man showing up with his feelings out is not perceived as a negative thing. So I think I've got that benefit, like that cloud cover. Now, if I was a mechanic or if I was still in the military or whatever, like there's a bunch of highly masculine scenarios in which this would be a completely different journey and possibly not even possible. I might have had to step out of the thing in order to pursue this. So as I'm even talking about it, it's another thing to be grateful for is simply the, the soup of situation that became like the Petri dish for me to do this in at all. Um, from 
what kind of reception have I got? I have not heard anyone be disparaging. I do not take that to mean that no one thinks this is stupid (laughs) or a waste of time or self-aggrandizing or whatever. I am fully aware that there could be an entire cohort of people who think that way and feel that way, but none of them have exposed themselves to me. And even if they did, I don't think that it would impact me in a way that would stop me from doing this. Because what has happened is even in the early part, even if it was just myself talking to myself, I had multiple people messaging me saying, like, don't stop. Like, I need this. And it was like, oh, shit. Okay. I, had, I thought eventually maybe we'd get to a place where somebody got value out of this, but I surely didn't expect it would happen almost immediately. And then the thing that has given me the energy to do this forever, like, I don't know that I'll ever stop, even just on the back of what's already happened, is I started getting messages from people from, like, screenshots of conversations with their parents, with their parents saying, this has transformed my life because they learned something about one of their kids via one of these discussions kind of thing. And that is that kind of second order effect is so powerful. I don't even know what to do with it, you know? And so um, as terrifying as every component of this is, because of basically I've, I've exposed myself, right? You talk about, or we were talking about the idea of going out with, you know, less clothes in public. Like this is sort of like a mega extreme version of that, right? It's like, here's all my thoughts and feelings and spiritual beliefs and everything, just laying it bare for the whole universe, right? Because anybody could technically stumble across this. Um, but if I can't, then I must. So here we are. Yeah, man. Beautiful. Yeah, so keep doing it, man. And we may have to actually talk again at some point. I don't think I, maybe I did. I don't think I shared this with you, but, you know, we launched this uh, men's personal brand uh, platform, personal development platform a couple of years ago, the Quantum King. And it's kind of like been on a little bit of the back burner the last year and a half. But an interesting thing that has occurred just in the last six weeks, um, my partner is the primary author, but we, we just got a book deal, so it's going to be like congratulations, Jeff. It's going to be uh, it's going to be in it's not not like a a weird internet marketing thing. It's like a legit publishing house and uh, should be in stores. So very uh, cool. We're really excited about that. We're really excited to like bring that brand forward. And the reason I'm mentioning this now is like I I think there's going to be room and desire for like more voices. And yeah, I'd love to at some point. Uh, talk to you about that. You know, it'd be really, I'd really cool. Be honored. I'd be absolutely honored. And if, is it Ryan? Is that his name? Yeah, yeah. I, I'd so love to have. Be... I'd love to do one of these with both of you. Actually, yeah, yeah. that'd be a fascinating it'd be, conversation. It'd be cool. Um, yeah. So the book is entitled, and we had like a, an original manifesto by the same name, but his book is entitled "The Seven Fires of Initiatory Seven Initiatory Fires of Modern Manhood." Ooh, and, I like um, that a lot. Actually, maybe it's going to be really cool. Um, we're lining up kind of partners uh, that are going to kind of be, you know, featuring resources as part of, of the practices with the book. And um, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it because it was, like I said, it's kind of just been sitting there under, under leveraged. And um, now I remember like, reading some of the initial content that came out. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's very cool. Yeah. Awesome, man. It was so funny how it happened too. We literally answered or asked, a, a, asked a question in our Facebook group, like, this was literally like no less, no more than six weeks ago. Like, hey, does anyone have good, like, legit publishers they can introduce us to? And we got a bunch of people who replied, and within like 
two weeks of that, it was like a done deal. It was like that easy. You know, people talk about like, holy shit. People talk about having to shop and go down, you know, knock down doors and stuff. And uh, granted, my, you know, my partner Ryan is, is quite a talented writer. And uh, so most of the credit goes to him, but it's like. There's something about just, the slipstream nature of listening to the universe though, you know, because yeah, yeah. if you guys had tried to jam that into the universe's face two years ago, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Yeah. So that's you, really exciting. you listened and and then here it is man it's just so yeah. fucking beautiful i love it yeah i hope more people can relax the grip of you know white knuckling this thing that we call life because man it gets really beautiful when you do yeah absolutely so well my friend i think we should wrap this yeah i'll leave you with one thing uh whether it makes it or not this is the next book that I recommend you read. I don't know if you asked for a Put it called, in front of your oh, chest, if you would. Put, put it in front of your chest so I can see it. Yeah, what is it? Oh, Tantra Illuminates in my basement. Yeah, that's book? literally in my basement right now. It's a beautiful book. It's really good. Uh, Let's go. Second reading. How fucking funny is that, Phil? There are thousands and thousands of books. How'd you come across it? I don't even remember. And I, I've owned it for at least six months. And I haven't touched it, but I knew when I saw it, I go, I have to have that. Didn't know why, didn't know where it came from. I just love these little serendipities. It's a very, uh, very deep tradition that I'm only scraping the surface of. And I could barely, I couldn't even describe it in words, honestly, but it's, it's been the most uh, eye-opening thing that I've, I've come across in the last year, I'd say. Amazing. So, Cool, man. Well, yeah, I'm super appreciative of you having me. And Absolutely. It's fun. I, I could care less how many people see this, just like having this conversation. Is yeah, like, exactly. If, if this recording doesn't even work, it will have been a win anyway because <laughs> I got to catch up with you. So Yeah. So um, yeah, Let's man. do it again soon. Yeah, dude. Record it or not. Yeah. Sounds good, my friend. All right, buddy. All right. Say hi to the wife for me. Yeah. Miss you guys. Yeah. Be well. All right. Much love. Talk see soon. You.